0: Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. We, we're excited for this episode,
1: um, this episode with Divine Purpose Podcast. Um, we have a few sponsored um, for this episode today. Um, Dacius Facility Management will be our first sponsor. So let's go with Dacius Facility Management. Thank you for your for advertising on this podcast
2: do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations that's where dasius facilities management can help dfm offers boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance handyman services project and vendor management and even security consulting at competitive rates Call DASIUS Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today.
1: Yes, call them now, 617-237-0106. Um, we're excited. So whenever we have a new sponsor, we have Barry Brownstein Photography. Uh, if you looking, if you want to look great uh, on LinkedIn or on your resume, you should check him out. Now,
2: did you know that most people would rather have root canal versus having their headshot taken? Hi, I'm Barry Bronstein of Barry Bronstein Photography, and I create headshots that people love. When you work with me, I help you to feel comfortable, show and teach you how to smile, to feel at ease in front of the camera and light you in a way that makes you look great.
1: All right, so 77812370495. Go on their website berrybouncing.com. If you look, if you want, if you are looking for a great headshot, so today, I'm uh, very excited because we have a great guest. Um, his name is Kirk Stein, and Kirk Stein is a he's a technology entrepreneur and he's been in business uh, for twenty five years, twenty five years, and we definitely gonna have him talking about it himself. Um, Kirk, how are you doing today?
2: Doing very well,
1: Eddie. Thanks for having me now thank you for being here so let's introduce your show this is divine purpose podcast with our great guest Kirk Stein
2: welcome to the divine purpose podcast where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible how about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits we will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dashius,
1: founder of Dashius Facilities Management. Yeah, so, this guest is a, is a president and COO, and he's a CEO of Vista Technology Solution. MIT so, uh, Sloan Management, nine years entrepreneur, technology enthusiast, and, and adapt um, pivot and resilience. So those are these highlights. Um, for his hobbies, black belt at 41, uh, taekwondo, wow, workout regularly, ski every winter. Wow. So, it's Kurt, uh, Kurt, it's not me that's have to tell people what you do. I think that's why you you come to the show and to, to kind of give people like a glimpse of your great uh, accomplishment. So one question I'll start um, today on this podcast is what can you tell us about you?
2: Sure, sure. Actually, I can tell you a lot. So uh, you highlighted some of the areas, uh, some of the some of the wonderful things I've done. Uh, I guess you could say that that I like to set my mind on something and then accomplish it. Mm. So, so going back to you know, where I'm from, I, I actually started in technology in 1998 uh, working for AT&T. And then okay. through, through my years, I got to opening a business, running a business of technology, and creating new businesses. Uh, so, so yes, I've been in technology for a very long time. And during that time, instead of... Um, Instead of uh, not accomplishing all the things, I felt I couldn't sit still. And that's why I went into martial arts and taekwondo and set a goal for myself and said, I, I can make you know, a black belt. And I did it at 41 years old. Try to do it at 40, but I just uh, I couldn't make it. <laughs> it just it wasn't. Wow. Enough. Then, so, yeah, good, good. And then after that, I figured, hey, I did taekwondo. Let me move into jujitsu. So then I started that, uh, you know, that um, that progress. And that just takes a very long time.
1: Let's talk about this a little bit. So, what interests you? I know some people do boxing, but is it movies you watch or is it something you always wanted to do?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. So, uh, my wife and I were talking about it too. If you go back to growing up in the 70s and the 80s, uh, every Saturday morning was before really before cable, you know, took over and changed everything. Yeah. Was Saturday morning watching martial arts. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) That, you got to remember back then it was you You had, you know, like five channels to work with, two, four, yeah. five, seven, nine, eleven. Right. And that yeah. that was it. You remember you'd have to run up to the channel and, and turn the dial and nobody wanted to do it. So every Saturday morning we had the cartoons and then we had the martial arts movies. And, you know, I, I was absolutely fascinated by it. Uh, but that that's kind of it was always interesting to me but the real reason why I did it it wasn't because I was trying to go into the MMA or or um you know trying to resolve some anger issues or something of that nature yeah. it was really the reason why I did it is i had my children in it just to give them some of that that kind of uh team camaraderie and yeah. discipline but the reason why i did it is because i hurt my back mm. i have 280 discs in my back and i was always in pain and and i was Constantly going to doctors and chiropractors and and speaking with some of the, the masters at the the uh, the dojang, I I found out that they hadn't hurt their backs as well. Yeah. But the amazing part about martial arts or more Taekwondo was the amount of core exercises that they do. And every doctor tells you to strengthen your core. In doing so, it'll yeah. take away some of the back pain. And I was like, Well, I always like martial arts. Uh, I always like to be physically active, but now my back was hurting me a lot. Maybe it was being in the office environment, leaning over a desk. And I said, you know what? Let me just kill a couple of birds with one stone, right? Take yeah. care of my back, get some exercise, and 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 maybe achieve something, get a black belt. I got to tell you, I was in the best shape of my life. My core was amazing, and my back did not hurt as much as it used to hurt. And that's why I did it. And then from there, I just got a love for it. And, well, competitively, it's great. Yeah. Uh, achieving goals, fantastic. Uh, but then the other part of it is physically you stay active, and then mentally you're you're constantly challenged to learn things and to grow. So those are the aspects I loved about it.
1: Do you compete on like a tournament?
2: No, and
1: the okay. reason
2: why I don't is because at at um, at my age and at the fact that I have to still provide for my family, yeah, completely very very competitive, and you can get hurt. Yeah, it's very difficult to sit in a meeting speaking to an executive with a black guy or a. <laughs> guy. <laughs> You're uh, right. As much as you say, oh, I love to do it. You know, not everybody's going to understand that you did it because you love the competition. Uh, being in pain certainly does not help facilitate uh, making a living.
1: No, no, makes sense. Um, let's go in, in your childhood. Maybe. Like, can you share with us uh, any great memories, childhood memories with, with, uh, with the audience today?
2: Sure, sure. So, so you always go back to uh, being a child. Actually, I reflect on a lot about it now because I now live in New Jersey uh, in a more rural area with a lot of farms. But mm. I grew up in New York. I grew up in Long Island. Uh, mm. and there, there were there weren't any farms where I grew up. Um, <laughs> and what what we mostly did was as kids. I, I love the summertime because yeah. I reflect back on getting on bicycles with all my friends. You know, bicycles that you put together. Yeah. Right, you put the you put the pegs on there so you can stand on the back with your friends. You change the the pedals out. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: you, you don't lose footing when you're pedaling really fast. You get the mongoose bikes or you know dirt bikes and and try to go you know try to go find an area where you can do some jumps, etc. But the part I loved was that you get on your bike and you would just go. You'd go for miles and end up in different towns and try to find parks and try to find creeks and try to find. You know, things you could jump on. That was some of the best parts of my my childhood. And I noticed that that doesn't really happen that much out in New Jersey because things are so far on the roads. Are, yeah. You know, a lot of cars go a lot of fat, pretty fast on the roads. And I think it would be pretty dangerous for kids to do that. Uh, but that's some of my my greatest childhood memories is is going out with friends and, and just exploring and, and seeing what happens out there.
1: And this is a question we, we started to ask, I guess, in terms of like, uh, reflecting on your childhood memory uh, memories what do you keep in term of things you really like and then you still cherish still today in terms of like things you you enjoy doing or you try to still have it around you
2: yep yep good question so so it, it's in childhood like you you have the early childhood which is elementary school uh moving into middle school so where where i grew up my elementary school went from kindergarten to seventh grade. I'm sorry, sixth grade, and then high school started at seventh grade to twelfth grade. So that that was not like here in New Jersey now, where you have like three different schools. They split it up to to get kids more acclimated to going into high school with the the much bigger kids. Yeah. But when I moved into high school at seventh grade, again that would be middle school here now where I live. Uh, that's where I was introduced to sports like lacrosse, and and I really. Uh, I gravitated toward uh, sports and outside and lacrosse and that's something that I fell in love with. I fell in love with it from the exercise standpoint, the aggressiveness. Um, football I like, but I, I I was a thinner kid. I was a smaller kid at that age. I, yeah, it took me till I was like 18 to really hit my stride. Well,
1: okay, uh, so,
2: so I didn't want to go into football and get killed. So I chose lacrosse, figuring that'd be just as tough, fast, exciting. Um, and, and was something cool, right? You think as you're younger, you want to do something cool. Yes. And that's what I did then. So now you're saying, how does that translate now? Uh, it's interesting. I haven't, after high school, I didn't pick up a lacrosse stick until this year. So wow. that's 30 years. I didn't pick up a lacrosse stick, even though I loved it. Cause I, you know, I got rid of the lacrosse sticks. I wasn't really playing with it a lot because I had young kids, but my older kids now, my girls have joined lacrosse.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
2: So now it's like it's come full circle, where I'm—I um, got the stick, and and she chose to be goalie, and I'm shooting, you know, balls on her, and and I'm—I still have it. It's it's pretty cool. I haven't lost it. So just to get the cradling down, and and now uh, she's excelling in it, and and I'm just helping her out. So it's what I loved when I was a kid. Some of the memories that have translated into my uh, my years. I'm 50 now, so almost 51, and I'm out there. Uh, you know, playing with her and keeping her. Nah, <laughs> keeping you,
1: you, you look great for fifty, man. I think Tacon taekwondo, taekwondo is great. <laughs> so let's uh, go ahead,
2: ahead. It it's, must be the genes, right? It's my yeah. That's <laughs> my family.
1: Let's let's talk about um challenges because I I know um going up and you're talking about your experiences um twenty five years in technology. So can you share with us like two challenges in event in your life and all did they challenge you?
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, this could be a long story. Uh, challenges go back to to childhood. Uh, not to make it uh, too sad of a conversation, but everything that happens from your childhood on. right? You have environmental challenges that shape you and you have um, you know, physical challenges, too, at times that shape certain people. Uh, in my challenges growing up, I, I came from a family of five. I have five kids in my family. Uh, I have okay. three older sisters and a younger brother. Uh, but when I was two years old, I actually had a twin sister. Uh, we were okay. fraternal, fraternal twins, and at two years old, she passed away from SIDS.
0: Mm, wow,
2: in their 70s. It's uh, you know, it's, it's 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 crazy. They didn't know they don't know anything, but now you have a lot more information around it, but it's something that that impacted the family. So, so. While at two years old, you know, if somebody asks me, so how was, you know, what was that like? I I can't, I can't really tell you Yeah, I was too young, but I was, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the pictures and videos, it was my best friend. But the impact it had, and this is kind of how it shapes you as well. The impact it had is, is on the family. You can only imagine that losing a child is a very sad environment. Uh, My father had his own business. He threw himself into work more to focus on building that business and probably to deal with some of the, the sadness as well. Yeah. My mom still had to raise, you know, four other children. Sure, yeah. and, and it was, it was a very you know, challenging environment that side from a, a uh, uh, happiness standpoint. Well, while I was happy at times, you always knew there was sadness that came in from the memories and they then had uh, my brother after that. So we still had five kids, but there was always this sense of, of sadness in the family and 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 the, the the age range was my younger brother's three years younger than me my oldest sister's eight years older than me so you could see the 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 age range is a lot so as you know my oldest sisters are getting older it, it, there's a gap they're out of high school and a college I'm just coming into high school so you can kind of see how there's a lot of separation between them yeah and and what I found was i I, I spent a lot of time trying to entertain myself right to yeah keep myself busy and that that shaped me as to who I am as to kind of find ways to entertain myself, um, you know, kind of grow up and 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 work through some of those challenges that I dealt with.
1: No, no. And thank, thank you for sharing because we, whenever we ask this question, always, we don't know the direction the guest is taking us and we always welcome to hear and then to learn from these um, challenges too. So let, let's go on a better note where, you had a lot of, uh, of accolades, <laughs> so, so which of your accomplishments are you the
2: proudest? Uh, it, it's interesting that there's, it, you know, I, I would I would say it wouldn't be just one. I know you like to have just one, but but the interesting part about it is as you reflect on it, every accomplishment moves you one step forward. But, yeah, right? and, and and that's I think people can't lose sight of that if you got a, uh, you know, award at school. I mean, that, that shapes you, right? What, what does it do? Why do kids go into sports? Uh, it, they say it's to build confidence, right? So if you score a goal, it builds confidence and wow, I yeah. did, I was able to do that. And, and it provided me that level of confidence. And that helps you as a stepping stone in life to achieve all the things. Scoring a goal does not make you president of the United States, right? Yeah. That's not what it is. It's all little steps along the way. So, so if I go back, I've had, uh, at AT&T, I had accolades, top 1%, top 2% in sales for, you know, every year. And it was it was always an accomplishment on top of the other, you know, getting my degree uh, in, in college. It wasn't easy. I was on, I'll tell you this much. I was on the 13-year plan when it came to college. Mm. Let me explain what that means. Good, good. I, I paid for college myself and I worked to pay for my college. It was It was what I had to do. I had to, you know, my parents didn't have the ability to pay for, for college growing up. So what I did was I found a way to, you know, to get a job that would give me tuition reimbursement and get a paycheck and learn. And and the place I went to was UPS.
3: So I started
2: at UPS at 18 years old and I left at 26. So I was there for seven and a half years. And what I did was I found that UPS, you know, what are the shifts to work? And it was a six o'clock shift and you work three hours a night. I got full medical benefits. They paid me a salary and I went to school. But what I found was if you went to the 10 o'clock shift at night, they would give you tuition reimbursement. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let's, let's put some perspective on things since people understand how much college costs. So that was 1990, 1991, where I was doing it. And that's when I, I joined um, UPS. So it was around 18 years old. So what I found was that college, I went to Hofstra University at first. It was back then eight thousand dollars, four thousand dollars per semester. Wow! That's a mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: UPS gave me over two thousand dollars per semester, so that was wonderful, right? So I just had to work yeah. midnight shift, and then they would give me tuition reimbursement, full health benefits, give me a paycheck, and I was able to work through school. Uh, just understanding that was very was very challenging. Was taxing on me. Uh, I was working more than one job. I was valet parking at the time too on weekends to make more money, and it was it was uh, it was a lot for me. So what I found was I had to slow down the amount of credits I did every semester in order to maintain a, a, a almost a full time job. Even though it's part time, it was it was a lot of hours, almost full time. It's about six hours a day, so that's just shy of full time. And then I had to slow it down in order to complete college and um, do my jobs. So I ended up slowing down where even when I moved to ATT, I was doing one class a semester just yeah. to finish my degree so now you can understand why it took so long long yeah to get my degree but I was determined to get it even though I was making a lot I have a lot of successes I still wanted to get that degree and and that's why it took me took me so much time
1: um and and thank you for sharing because we're going to go deeper because we want people to kind of get everything so first how did you know about this path? <laughs> who told you? Because I don't think everybody will probably know that. You probably have somebody tell you, or oh, let us let us hear it.
2: Yes, yes. It's 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 um. You know, there's always that saying. It's not it's not what you know. It's who you know. Uh, and it it wasn't. It, it just my parents. My parents had a friend that was uh. Uh, very active as a volunteer in in a lot of uh, Boy Scouts and and things like that. And I was in the Boy Scouts as well, so I can learn, you know, going out camping and seeing what that experience was like. That was a, a challenge for me. Now I yeah. can kind of go through a lot of challenges that shaped who who I am, and then how that made me who I am today, and how I, I I lead people. So I could always go through that as well. But but it was a person that worked at UPS, and my father said, "Oh, you know." Th- 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 he works at UPS. He could always get you a job over there. I was like, "Oh, it sounds great." You know, I just found that. I just that's how I learned about UPS. But all you had to do was just just apply to UPS, and that's how you got a job there. And and that's that's how I found out about it. And I went and applied. in AT and T they accepted me. I'm sorry, at 18 they accepted me. And and then that's where I learned what it was like to have hard work, working at UPS, yeah. working in operations in the in the uh, hubs. And it was was not easy. My first job coming out was unloading a 52 foot trailer. I was making $8 wow. an hour and it took about an hour and a half to unload that trailer. So if you do the math, it's an hour and a half. That's $12. I was paid $12 to unload about over a thousand boxes that could be heavy. <laughs> for a trailer, But they gave me health oh. benefits and you know, that's, that's kind of how I started things. So I, I learned by somebody telling me about it and then that really shaped who I became as a leader. Uh, if you want to hear that story as well.
1: And and this is perfect, amazing to hear that because my next question will about will be about hard work. Um, yes, this path is not an easy path, but what kept you going? Because it probably take you eight years to get your degree, right? But what kept you more motivated, and then kept you going for both, still working and still pursuing your education.
2: Sure. Sure. It's, it's, it's a, it's innate, right? It's, it's within you too. It's um, probably growing up, watching my father work really hard. What you see in, in your family always, always shapes who you are, becomes your blueprint. And then, yeah. and then it's up to you as well to keep that going as well as, you know, there, there's, there's some folks that will, you know, won't copy you know, what their parents do and they go the opposite, that could be good or bad. And there's others that will copy it and that could be you know good or bad. In this sense, I took it from a, a hard work perspective and I always, I'm very competitive. I'm a very competitive person. Obviously, if I'm in martial arts, even though I haven't done tournaments and I gave you the reasons for that, I don't want to get hurt. Uh, I'm very competitive in to start something and to finish something, see it through. And that does not mean that it wasn't challenging. That, that does not mean that I never thought to myself, why am I getting my degree? I'm already highly successful at at and I could just stop and, and never finish it. But along the way, you know, I had friends that became mentors and said, look, just get that degree, just finish it out, it looks good, just have it. It's, uh, it's something important to finish, you're so close. So it always helps to build around you a, a, a good uh, support structure that, that helps you along the way too. Everybody you meet can always give you information and advice and, and, and help you along the way. But being through pressure too, pressure at at uh, UPS taught me a lot about myself, what I can deal with, what I can take. It was a very high, high pressure environment. Yeah, Uh, they expected you to succeed. They didn't care what your excuse was. I moved into management. Uh, I was running, uh, working with uh, union employees, running those uh, the teams that would load trucks, you know, 52 foot trailers. You had three hours to accomplish that task. They didn't care. If if somebody didn't show up and we called in sick one day, they didn't care. Yeah. They wanted you to complete that job and any amount of time it was. If you didn't, uh, they held you accountable. They were not nice about it. So so you had to learn how to adapt and to to uh, achieve those goals no matter what. So I'm going to school, trying to take tough classes, you know, chemistry et cetera, and and pass them. I'm in a tough tough work environment in uh, in UPS from a management perspective, which is teaching me how to deal with pressure you know, the ultimate pressure of, of succeed or, you know, they're going to fire you. Uh, Most people as well, I had to motivate people not by threatening to fire them. I had to motivate people by showing them respect and, and holding them accountable and all that shaped, you know, who I was. And I said, let me just finish my degree. And I finished my degree in 2000, 2003. So started in 1990 and finished it in 2003 and and got that degree. I made it. And then I, just continue to uh, to achieve things going forward,
1: and and so what's 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 the best compliment you ever gotten?
2: Best compliment. Uh, it's it's usually it's, so. I'll say this: not everybody, nobody sees themselves as the world sees them. That that's yeah. probably a great way to say it. And maybe there's some psychological reasons for it. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm sure. If there's a psychologist watching, they'll understand it. But but you always have a framework or a version of yourself that you believe the world sees, and it's not always what they see. And also, there's a lot of different versions of what uh, of what the world sees. Um, biggest compliment I would get is is uh, my tenacity, my resilience, and the fact that I I can adapt and execute very well. And that's that is the the compliment I got because I know that about myself. But it was yeah. great for others to see that. I, I could be resilient in the face of, uh, you know, tremendous challenges. I can adapt and pivot is what you need in life and even in business. And the fact that I can execute on things was, uh, was something that somebody saw that was, was, uh, it was important to me to hear.
1: Wow. And so w- one thing I, I think like people will appreciate is that you, you're telling us all these, uh, all your experiences, but, the the emotion like yeah, they can see I, I, and I can feel it it's really you're passionate about what you do so l- let's go about your higher education so after your you get your degree um, what was the path to to pursue higher education
2: sure sure so 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 go back to my degree uh, it's interesting I didn't know what I wanted to do and, and if if like you said a little bit earlier if you look at my pathway. I was I worked in a deli <laughs> before 18 years old. Learned yeah. customer service from that perspective. Then did valet parking to make some extra money. Then worked at UPS in logistics and packages and and transportation. Right, I worked in that area, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I, I gained great knowledge of teamwork and execution and logistics and and do things right the first time, and that will reduce the amount of errors and work you have to do later. Uh, right. So I learned all that. But what I really loved was technology. And and I didn't know how much I loved it until I was presented the opportunity uh, to get a job at AT. It was actually my my brother-in-law uh, said, Hey, I work at ATT. I, you know, I see how much you know hard you work. Let me get you an interview over there in sales. And it, it was the greatest moment of my life. Wow. Uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic to to learn something completely different, get out of logistics and things like that. You know, in a build, I worked in a building in the middle of the night. It was, you know, no sunlight. And, and I got to work in New York City, the greatest city in the world, working with some of the largest companies in the world and, and interacting with a lot of high-level uh executives, which was was very interesting to me. But now you say what got me into the, to the next step is it's interesting. Life is about learning. Yeah. Life is constant learning. You know, they make that saying you you know you can't teach an old dog new tricks but but that's not true. If you if you maintain a curiosity in life, a thirst for learning. Mm. If you, if you if you sit there and think let me be introspective on myself. What did I do in a situation? What did I learn from it and what can I do better? I think all that you know leads to hey, let me learn something else. So a lot of people will go read books and spend a lot of time on that. I do that, but I do that in my field. I don't have a lot of time to, to read a nonfiction book or autobiography book because I'm spending so much time within the business and honing my craft. But I want to learn a lot more about technology, et cetera. So while at at and I spent a lot of time in very cost-specific, specific, learning about technologies and, and how that, that helps companies out and, you know, I did a lot of, uh, they brought a lot of courses in to teach us at AT&T about products and services and, and interacting with customers. But that I wanted to get better, I wanted to do more myself. And that's that's where you see here, I've done courses at MIT and I've taken that, has actually gotten credits for doing uh, uh, additional learning. And, and I focused on digital transformation, right? How do companies transform themselves in order to deal with this changing world, this digitally changing world And then I really, the next, I focused on very product specific on digital transformation, which is artificial intelligence, IOT, cybersecurity, right? The things that really, really matter. And then I'm dealing with on a daily basis by taking these courses, it opens your mind up to so much more that's in this world. And then the professors that you're interacting with, they open your mind up and allow you to be a lot more curious about what's out there. And it also gives you the ability, right? And school is supposed to teach you to think and be creative and to innovate. And these courses allow you to think outside of what you normally did and to innovate and come up with ideas and solutions that help you know, your clients as well. So that's what led me to that. And I don't stop there. It's how do I continually innovate and how do I surround myself with coaches and people that will continually you know, cue my curiosity and keep me learning more? And then what's the next course I take in order to broaden my horizons. I don't just take courses just to take them. I'm taking them order to improve you know, my ability to go to market and my, my improve myself in order to help clients as well.
1: Wow. Well said. Well said. So this is uh, Eddie Dacis with Define Purpose Podcast, and we have our great, um, guest. Kurt Stein is the president and CEO of DC St- um, Strategic. So um, let's get to our break now, and we'll be back with um, Kirk.
3: What comes before making a smart decision? Choices! A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice.
1: yes um we're back with uh divine purpose podcast and like we said we have kirk stein with us he's uh he has been at the forefront of technology's revolution and transformation as a cell leader and technology enthusiast who help develop solutions and technologies that optimize networks and improve customer service. DCT Strategic Inc. is a digital transformation consulting firm. They specialize in creating and executing technology to empower businesses to leverage cutting-edge solutions, such as cybersecurity, cloud, data analytics, AI, IT strategy, and digital maturity. So, um... Like I said, we, we're very excited. So we had a great, so far, great so, uh, conversation with Kirk, and he, he was talking about his path, his grow, um, upbringing, and his um, education. So we have a segment called Hot Topic. So Hot Topic is a segment where we, we talk about um, questions people in your field probably won't have a chance to ask you. And we're going to get in Hot Topic in a minute. But my question before we, we jump to Hot Topic is, let's say, is there one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? One thing. Like when you're looking back, you said, man, if I knew this, I'll be way ahead.
2: like <laughs> you know, every, Everybody wishes they knew what they know now back back when they're younger yeah. however there's a flip side to it right um it's that butterfly effect mm. and it's interesting when you're asked this question if so, so there's it's a good question just to be you know open and talk about you know what if you did something different etc but then as you get older you start thinking about the consequences of every decision that you make and yeah. the butterfly right? So if there is if I did something differently when I was younger because I knew about it, I wouldn't be here right now speaking to you. Mm. I would be where I am today, right? So, so because it is the butterfly effect it isn't a ripple in time. If I knew about technology and I should I should go to school for this and I should uh, learn more about it, I wouldn't have picked at and I might have picked you know a different company. And then I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have my kids and I wouldn't be where yeah. I am today. And that's and that's the serious aspect of it, right? That's the the part that you say, I, I, I wouldn't change anything because everything I did got me to where I am today. But if you think about it from what, what I change is I, I didn't have as much guidance as as you may think I did when I was younger. I didn't have somebody telling me, hey, this is the way you should do things. This is the path that you should follow. That's what coaches do for you today, right? That's what coaches do for you in business. They say, I've been where you were. Yeah, I' in that pathway and I'm going to advise you on the right ways to go so you don't make the mistakes I made, you pivot when I should have pivoted or you follow my exact path and you'll lead to success. So I do that now. I have a lot of coaches now that help me there. But if if I was to say that, I wish I had more, Advisors when I was younger, giving me a better understanding of what the pathway is, because I felt lost from high school to going to UPS to eventually when I found my pathway to ATT. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was 26 years old when I got my career, and I was even though I was working hard and I was achieving things, I didn't feel like I was in the place I wanted to be. And I was executing. I was working hard. I was going to school, but it took me a lot longer to get to where I wanted to go. Than, than I would have if somebody was guiding me. But I also know that if I would have known that, I might not have followed this path, and I know it would have been a a, a, um, a, a choice that probably would have led me to having a different life, and I, I wouldn't want a different life.
1: Now, and, and, and like I said, this is uh, we f- we like to ask this question because we don't know where the guess is taking us, and this is a new version from you, Kurt, and I like it because you you summarize everything. You accomplish where you, you don't feel that anything was missing. Um, let's jump to our topic. And I have a great question to start um, this segment. <laughs> exactly. If you live in New York, you probably hear those <laughs> a lot. I'm really going to go deep. <laughs> I know. So we're going to go deep. Let, let's talk about transferable skill. Let's uh, take everything you learned from your first job to what you're doing now. What skill you feel like you learned that always help you get ahead or get comfortable or get successful in your position?
2: Absolutely. I, I, I have the perfect one. So so I, I actually talked to my kids about it as well. So you know, going back to your, your earlier question is, I want to provide my children with some of the guidance that, you know, I didn't necessarily have. And it wasn't a negative, just, I didn't have that, that guidance. I try to provide them with the guidance in order to shape them a certain way in a pathway. And the one I love to tell them about is pressure, pressure. You put anybody under pressure and you really find the true test of, of who they are when you put them under pressure
0: mm. and
2: pressure has been, look, pressure exists in life, no matter what you do. Yeah. If you're in a, employee at a company, you're going to be put under pressure. If you're a, a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, you're going to be put under pressure. If you have a job, you're under pressure. If you're in school, you're under pressure. If you're a kid, you're going to be put under pressure. Pressure is a consistent theme around us. And it's something we can't get away from. We have to deal with it. I learned much earlier on being under pressure, what I would, how would I act upon it? And, you know, that's why kids go into sports too, to be under pressure and see what happens. Do you crack or do you rise above it, right? We, lot of, we love a lot of sports stars that when it comes to playoffs, they rise above, right? And there's others that don't execute as well because they can't handle that type of pressure. But I, I learned pressure early on and, and UPS was a pressure cooker. And I, I I was put under a lot of pressure at UPS in order to execute on a very short time window, three hours. If it took three and a half hours, yeah. it was a failure. You you did not succeed. And, mm. and that it wasn't just that. It was I had so many trucks that I had to get unloaded. Five trucks had to be loaded up with thousands and thousands of boxes in each truck. And you had personnel in each truck that were, they didn't want to work too hard, right? They were just, they were going to take it easy if they could. And I had to learn to, uh, to, to, to motivate them without, you know, threatening them and lose their job. Or you had to motivate them by showing respect. And I had to get things done in a certain amount of time. And it didn't always work so well. Wow. Things become chaotic. Uh, we didn't complete in time. Boxes were not inside the truck. They were all outside the truck because everything was a mess. And the belt system, everything was a mess. Boxes everywhere it was going to take an hour to clean up. And, and I was put under so much pressure. I remember it was a moment I was standing up against one of the bay doors. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, you can give up right now. You could just say, you know, forget this. Just quit. You don't have to do this anymore. This is crazy. Mm. And then my, the, other, my, the other voice in my head said, nah. No, we're going to get this thing fixed. And when we get it fixed, we're going to find out why this happened and we're going to improve upon it so it doesn't happen again. And that moment was a turning point for me. I really realized at that moment that it was so much pressure on me and I put so much pressure on myself that I rose above it. And and going forward, I never, ever was in that situation again. It didn't matter if somebody didn't show up for work. I was never in that situation because I learned – how things worked. I learned how to motivate people. I learned how to see what was going to happen before it happened. It was getting that visibility into the future, seeing what's going to happen because of a lot of different data points that were leading along the way that gave me that, that vision of what was going to happen. And that has taken me along the way into my businesses to treat people with respect You get a lot more from people when you treat them with respect. I do not micromanage folks. I don't think that's possible because then I couldn't do anything I had to do. So I extend that accountability out to people to make sure they execute because I chose them to execute. And if a mistake is ever made, here's one key thing too, pressure. People make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. The president of the United States makes mistakes. Uh, You know, a person that that is at McDonald's or Wendy's will make a mistake, right? It doesn't matter who you are, you're gonna make a mistake. And the fact is not the mistake you made, it's what do you do now after you made the mistake in order to correct it? And I've always found that uh, while people normally would get very upset with themselves that they made a mistake and they put a lot of pressure on themselves, I usually tell them, look, calm down. Let's let's think through how do we solve this problem? How do we get out of this situation? Stop thinking about what I think and what I'm going to do. Start thinking about what do you do in this situation in order to uh, come out of this? And I got to tell you, people have been, my employees have been extremely happy with me taking the pressure off and allowing them to now fix the mistake they made uh, because it happens, right? So pressure and dealing with pressure and be able to get through it and then allowing people to correct mistakes and not putting a lot of pressure on top of them.
1: And next question will be your unorthodox way to, to college, right? And we're looking at, you have friends, you're part of a team. And some they got accepted to to a big college, and you have to take that path. What was your mindset? Like, t- take us to to that process for you to really decided to go this this way.
2: The to, to way I went, um, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel I had a lot of options. Okay. So, 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 again, you have environmental factors, etc. So. At, at that point in time, so so if you go back to my my childhood is my dad had his own advertising business in New York City and he worked a lot of hours. And, and I didn't see him a lot. I saw him on the weekends. And that wasn't because it, it was something bad. He was trying to grow a business and, and provide for his family. So it's very understandable. But I would only see him you know, on the weekends. And as I get older, the economy changed and he wasn't able to maintain that business anymore so he had to close that business and then he went into working uh, any job he could because at the time it happened it was it was actually in a bad economy it was in the 80s where it was very the, the interest rates i mean for, for getting a mortgage were 12 it was yeah. it was a bad time so he had to go out and just get any type of job he could and i realized that my my dad my parents didn't have the money to send me to a college and secondly I didn't do that well in high school. I didn't love high school. I, I, I it wasn't that challenging for me. I, I didn't like a lot of things about, about high school. And I, it put me in a position where I, my grades weren't good enough to get accepted into a lot of colleges. Okay. So I put myself in a position. I had, you know, whatever my challenges were. So, so the point of the story is you don't have to be super successful in order to get the greatest college in order to start a business. You don't have to, but you do have to have those innate qualities to always push through challenges and achieve things. So, so I have in a situation where my parents can't pay for college and my grades weren't that well, but I still wanted to go to college and I wanted to be curious and learn because I knew it was good for me. So I found a way around it. I was, I was adapted. I was resilient. I found that if I worked at UPS, I can get, you know, tuition reimbursement. Oh, that's great. Then I can go to school. So I started at a two-year university it was SUNY Farmingdale, so at least I can get acclimated now to now doing better with my grades. And then I transferred to Hofstra University. Uh, I didn't go away to school, though I would have loved to have gone away to school. I would have loved to have experienced the fraternities and partying and and meeting yeah. tons of friends. It, <laughs> yeah, it is a I great experience, right? I love, yeah, I have that experience. So I went to Hofstra University, which is still a tough school because Hofstra University was right in Uniondale, and UPS was right in Uniondale. So mm. I was to go work midnights and I started at 10 o'clock at night and I was out at four or five o'clock in the morning. So now I would come home, I'd go to sleep and then I'd wake up and go to college. So that's how, that's how I did it. And that's how I was able to afford to pay for it. And that's the reason why it was an unorthodox way, the way I did it. So now I'm going through school, I'm trying to work, I'm trying to acclimate to getting good grades while I work full-time, a lot of different jobs. And then I found that I had an opportunity to go work at AT&T and and I had to make a choice. Do I stay at UPS and go become a driver or go into full-time management? And I really didn't i really didn't like it. It wasn't my calling. I got the job at at Now I'm traveling into New York City. I'm working full-time now. Now I'm in, in sales environment, and I'm out there having lots and lots of fun, almost doing like that college experience while working because salespeople are very, very fun. And I found I still had to get my degree. So I was doing one class a semester for uh, uh, um, for that time frame. And I realized that I can't stop this opportunity to work at ATT and get all this experience at 26. Let me just continue finishing at a Hofstra. I'll get my degree. I'll keep working. And then I could always go to some other college later on. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no choice the way I did it. I would actually have had to stop, take out a lot of student loans to go away to college. I could have done it. Yeah.
0: Enough. But yeah. then I would
2: have, you know, it would have put me in a very difficult financial situation. So I ended up with $25,000 in student loans. That's it.
0: And wow. I paid that off in 2005 or
2: 2006. I didn't have hundreds of thousands because things cost less. Now, if you look at Hofstra, it's $40,000 a year. <laughs> $20,000 <000 laughs> yeah. semester. I mean, that's, that's impossible. Yeah, math- do sure.
0: I don't know
2: how it's done. So that was the unorthodox way. Do I say everybody should do it? No. Is there is there a way to solve the problem that I had in, in my pathway? Yes, anybody can solve it. The, the point of it is, you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. You just have to stay consistent, and you have to you know work through the pressure, and you have to have a goal in mind. And once you achieve that goal, it builds your character, and that character takes you throughout life. Right? Anything I start, I finish, and that's um, that's. No, I,
1: that's that's a great mindset. Um, um, let's say. You had the power to take one thing from your past and then to turn it uh into a trophy what what that thing will be uh, it, it might be a job yeah just one thing you will take over anything let's say you have to go with it and that thing will be your trophy what will be
2: yeah. Yeah. So, so so then you look at it, I'll, I'll look at it from a character building standpoint, because no matter what you do in life, right, your 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 character, your integrity, your ability to, again, we talk about it, work through pressure. Every single person in this world has a challenge yeah everybody no matter who you look at you always say you know don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes and it's the same thing for a woman right you don't know what somebody's going through every day so i look at it from a standpoint of you build up your character you build out your foundation make a strong foundation you can weather challenges and and pressure and the down the, the downsides of life so the trophy i would put together believe it or not would be would be working at ups um I would, I would tell a lot of people to go work at UPS because it's the the people that worked there were a lot of ex-military, a lot of full-time supervisors were ex-military. was very structured, organized, no BS environment. They had a lot of accountability. And I learned, I learned who I was as a person without going into the military. And I learned that I can overcome a lot of challenges. Uh, It didn't matter what it was, I can overcome them. You know later in life so i would make that into i would make that into a trophy and by the way i i almost went into the military i almost joined the marines at 18 wow. and i had a change of i had a change of heart but i guess I, I i got it with ups anyway it was a very structured uh you better be here by this time the you know the yeah the so i would turn that into a trophy because that made me who i am today i mean it didn't make me obviously it was who i i was but it brought out the best what, of yeah. me and that's what the- I- Coffee.
1: Well, well said. So, well said. That was a great to uh, great to hear in terms of um, closing on hot topic with Kirk Stein. So now we we have a new segment. Um, you're probably gonna be the third guest to kind of dive into that segment. It's called "Trust Me, I Know." so it's uh, it's a bragging it's a bragging segment it's gonna be you uh it's gonna be you on that on that on that page talking about something you know it's not only you know but you're very confident why't you confident you know and you're gonna share with us let's go with trust me uh trust me I know now. <laughs> right. So Kirk Stein, it's your time to brag. You had that trophy, right? (laughs) And now it's going to be like something you can share with us, uh, something you know about AI or technology and you confident, you know, it might be your business. It might be your company. That's your floor. You got the mic.
2: Excellent. Actually, this this is a great topic. This is a great topic. I'll I'll take you back a little bit to kind of color the story. So, so when I worked at, at AT&T in 1998, it was around AT&T around 1999, 2000, that's when they were selling websites and email addresses. And myself and one of uh, the folks on, on a technical folk on that side, we were reaching out to customers, talking to them about getting an email address. Everybody had to get a website and everybody had to get an email address because this is the way the future was going. You have to get an email. You have to get a website. This is just the way the world is going. And we had so much resistance from customers saying, no, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to do it. I don't know what this internet thing is. Remember, that's around dial-up. They started getting higher speeds internet. Everybody was like, no, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Fast forward now to 2022, 2023, even sooner than 2019 on you have the business that I'm in now of artificial intelligence and digital transformation. And, and the, the trust me, I know segment part is I'm faced with the same issues I had back then. There is a percentage of society and businesses that understand that digital transformations and the components of digital transformations, not just taking an Excel, Excel spreadsheet and putting it into the cloud or, or digitizing it with some type of system or, using Uber doesn't mean all of a sudden you became digital transformation. It is a consortium, all products and services and people changing how they approach businesses and to make products and services that allow them to roll out new products and services in order to create new revenue streams digitally. And with that comes artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, et cetera. And what I found is a lot of customers are starting to talk to us about artificial intelligence But there is a very, very small percentage of the the world and people that believe that AI is really where you need to go. You need to get on that train and start integrating that within your business and your life because it is going to change how you approach things, how your business is approached, et cetera. So going back to email, we said everybody needs to get email or website. Now, Now, if you don't have an email address, people think something's wrong with you. If you don't have a website they don't think you're a real business. If your website is not a fantastic website, then you're not an excellent business. AI, if you're not moving in that direction, you are going to be passed by your competitors. You're going to find your business is going to suffer. Your customers is going to go to where they're getting serviced even better. So we understand this technology and we're spending a lot of time trying to get the message out, LinkedIn and having these podcasts that Artificial intelligence doesn't have to be scary. It's not going to be terminated, taking over your life, at least not now. But there are a lot of tools that are available to companies in order to improve your businesses and to provide a better customer experience. I'll give you an example. I did a post with Amazon. Amazon just released that they brought out an an AI use case that's able to look at packages and determine if the package is damaged. Before it leaves their factory and goes off to a customer, why is that important? Amazon is is focused, laser focused on the customer experience. That is all they care about. Everything they do, they do revolves around improving the customer experience. So, how does that improve the customer experience? If a customer receives a box that's perfect, they're gonna say, "Wow, I got a fantastic box." What if they received a box that was crushed? They would say, "I'm not gonna order from Amazon again." It doesn't matter if UPS did it or The U.S. Postal Service did it. So they rolled out an AI use case that's able to look at millions of packages. And by feeding the information, they're able to see that this box is perfect and this should go out to the customer. That AI use case is improving their customer experience. That is very strategic to their business. It is brilliant. Every other customer can take a look at their business and we can help them with that to say, how can you improve your business, meet your strategies and goals by integrating artificial intelligence into your business? We understand it. We can help them implement it. We can take them on that journey and we can basically make it where it's not so confusing or not scary. We could explain it all so that customers will now understand it. So trust us, we know. We know the benefits to a business. We know what it can provide to you and your customers. And we know that if you're not going to take advantage of it today, You're either going to be forced to by your competitors or you will be put out of business because your customers will go to your competitors and they'll find some other company to provide them with the services that they need.
1: Yes, uh, that's that's it. That's the way it is. So that's why we create that segment. So I I know you wanted to plug in um, your company and this is your time to talk about the the DCT. Yep.
2: Yep. So, so it's very important too. Is it's great for the folks listening. It's very important for you to understand that you have somebody there that can guide you along the way in order to achieve uh, the strategies and goals that your company set out for you. So we demystify Technology. We demystify what digital transformation means. It's not just a buzzword. It's how do you change your business and improve your business with technologies in order to improve the productivity of your employees, make it easier, make it easier for them to do business with your customers and improve that customer experience. So we do that by providing assessments, rapid assessments to customers. We come into their business. We look at what they're doing within a week or two weeks or three weeks. We understand how their business is run. And then we provide them with a prioritization saying, here's what you need to do in order to improve your customer experience or the business or the productivity or how you're rolling out products and services. And we provide them with a roadmap that they can execute on. And the nice part about it is we can help them, guide them along the way to execute that. So an example would be if you needed to be more rapid in looking at emails from customers and be able to respond to them with Uh, Suggestions, predictive suggestions of how they can better do their business or buy products and services from them. We can help you with that. We can help you improve that customer experience. If you're saying that cybersecurity, there's something going on in my environment, or I don't believe that I'm looking at my business and protecting my business the way you should, we would then come in and look at what your business is doing, help you structure and fortify your environment, and provide you with the tools and a training necessary in order to make your business strong to deal with the you know, the threats that are going on in the future. So we demystify what's happening. We make technology easy and we take you along that technology journey from beginning to the end to make sure that you're successful along the way.
1: Wow, well said, well said. Thank you, Kurt. And um, this is great. So this is Eddie Dacius with Divine Purpose Podcast. We have our guest, um, Kurt Stein, with us today. So final, final word for you, um sure. last word in term of um because we're getting close to our uh close to this to the end to this great conversation and we i was i was paying attention uh like i said i usually pay a lot of attention to the guests but um you kind of captivated me to to hear your story which um relate to my path too but um last word for our audience
2: sure sure so for everybody listening right you're You have Believe, Achieve, and Live as Divine Purpose Podcast. And it's pretty interesting. You go back to everything I said. There's not one pathway for anybody. And if you surround yourself with people, with advisors, coaches, people that can give you advice and you're open to it, no matter what your pathway is, you can still achieve a goal and get to a pathway you want. It could be unorthodox in how you do it. It doesn't have to be perfect along the way. Just understand I started as an English major in college. I ended up in technology. I started technology companies and now I'm running successful technology companies helping customers out because I always believed in myself. I was always working on improving and getting better at what I did and honing my craft. I was able to achieve it and then live that purpose, right? Live my life of I can achieve anything I, I want. I can pivot, I can adapt no matter what the challenges are. There is not one way in life. There's multiple. So if you get anything out of this, understand that everybody has a challenge. If you set your mind to something, even if a roadblock stops it, you can always pivot, go a different direction, but always have a goal in mind of where you want to go. Continue to be curious, continue to learn, and you can achieve anything you want if you believe in yourself.
1: Wow this is great so this is eddie Dasius with divine purpose podcast so if you want to support our channel so you can um scan the qr code we have venmo we have cash app we have have paypal you can donate uh from twenty five thousand dollars if you want but twenty five dollars fifty dollars one hundred dollars and five hundred dollars um you can call us 617-227-0106 you can go online at www.dppodcast.com um kirk um thank you for being here we excited um for this um great episode and we we definitely gonna have um, your website your information so anything you want to add before we nah, we go
2: No nah, I appreciate it appreciate it. I love what you're doing. I love that you're you're giving people a pathway to understand that there's a, you know, if you believe you can achieve and you can live your life and it's important people go through challenges learn from them and understand that there's always there's always success on the other side if you uh, if you push through.
1: Yeah great. So this is Eddie Darsius with Divine Purpose Podcast with our guest Kirk Stein. Thank you.
0: Thank you.